Dive into the world of dance at the Victorian College of the Arts. Their program offers a unique blend of artistry, performance, and choreographic practice within an inclusive environment. As an undergraduate student, you explore contemporary dance, physical theatre, ballet, urban dance, and more in a collaborative studio lab setting. At honors level, specialize in performance skills, choreographic practice, or dance research. Plus, benefit from the proximity of local choreographers and companies, including Philip Adams, Stephanie Lay Company, Lucy Guerin, Chunky Move, and Dance House. Through professional placements, their students have the opportunity to develop pathways for their future careers through these relationships and networks. Consider a variety of bachelor, masters, and even doctorate programs available according to your needs. Join them and unleash your artistic potential at the Victorian College of the Arts. Learn more through the link in the descriptions below. Do we get enough space between projects, or do we constantly need to hustle to like make ends meet? And what kind of safety measures are there to like safeguard and ensure us as dancers or as bodies and brains on hire? Hello and welcome to the Background Dancer. I'm your host Jason Yap. Thank you for joining me with our community of passionate dance contributors from around the world and across different fields. In this podcast, I offer educational conversations and insightful tips to help you better understand all things offstage about this curious art form. As conventional wisdom goes, failure is the first step to success. The cliche prevails. The question is, is it that much of a cliche after all? Sometimes one needs to take a step backward to then make two steps forward. What were some of your most momentous failures in dance? In this extract, we discuss how massive failures in our dance journeys proved pivotal in shaping the artists we are today. So I'm gonna do my Sherlock and go into them one by one. I really like how you have already naturally posited this case study of how failure has contributed to a point of success in your career right now, right? And this is very much the performative level of it, the performance and the performer. So very practical use of your knowledge and your experiences in deterring any potential mishaps and future trauma <laughs> with regards yes. to a particular performance. That's very cool. I would like to know, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something, and then I really want to get your take on this, because one of the things that I believe has a very strong association with our current careers is how things that are occurring in daily life very much outside of the studio and any performing arts context can contribute to how we perform as a performing artist mm -hmm. right so you've already mentioned the performative aspect of it uh, i'm going to give you an example of mine and then 
tell me what's yours. So for me, one of the most highlighted experiences I've ever had, and this is when I say highlighted, I'm like, I've literally highlighted this, underline it, whatever, double tap it every single day when I wake up in the morning, because this one particular instance has laid the groundwork for me to become the person I am today as well. And it very much happened by accident, but it was a failure on my part to have not <laughs> seen it coming, like I said, a curveball. So this is what happened. So one of the things that has really helped me achieve relative success as a dance artist now is just one thing. It's how I look at this, uh, this idea of knowledge and the value of knowledge, right? As a, as, a, as a dancer coming into dance much later uh, than most people have, I think you are very much on the same boat as me. We are sort of late bloomers and late comers to the world of dance. We, for sure, the priority initially is to equip yourself with as much technical ability as possible so that you would have the basis in which to propel your career upon. And then, of course, if you have... Um, other aspects of your game that you can bring that are bonus. But primarily, of course, you just need to be able to dance <laughs> or else you wouldn't get a single job, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. very much the priority. So take care At of least the base, the base skills. At least the base. Yes. Exactly. Know how to do a tondu or plie. That's basically <laughs> know, know your left from your right. And yeah. I mean, oh, I struggle with that. <laughs> right, but like, exactly what I'm trying to say. Like, I did not know how to, to, to differentiate left to right when I first came into a ballet class. It's like, it just spins you off. It's, it throws you completely off. Uh, so that's that skill set. That's some form of knowledge. And then the other form of knowledge is basically general knowledge about the industry. That is something that comes a little mm-hmm. bit later on in one's career. It comes with a sense of maturity and curiosity about the world itself and the industry itself, right? So... This was very vivid for me because I was sitting in a cafeteria and at the time I was very fascinated, enamored by this, I would say, resurgence of physical theater movement within the dance industry. And it was at the time when a lot of these super cool, right now we, we, we call them super cool, but at the time I think maybe they were all quite avant, avant-garde when they were born, these physical theater dance companies, you can say, like yeah. the Ultima Vezas, uh, the Punch Drunks, you know, the Gecko Theatres, a bunch of these really cool, very, very cool physical theater type companies that are also operating on a dance level. And I was very fascinated with that form. Uh, that was sort of the first form outside of mainstream dance that I really, really loved, that I really, really wanted to be part of. Yeah. Uh... Hold on, hold on. It's okay, don't... This... Oh, sorry. That's really nice, actually. That I hear hear birds at night. (laughs) This is amazing. Uh, This is the most amazing backdrop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm providing free natural soundscape. It doesn't come often. It's not played from a computer. It's absolutely true. I'm in a garden right now. Okay, so... So this is what happened. Coming back to the story, like... I was very fascinated with it. So I sat down with a teacher of mine and she was like, oh my gosh, okay, you're so fascinated. Okay, let's have a chat about this because I was talking about how I wanted to start my journey in the physical theater. And then she just basically asked me one question. She said, what is physical theater? And I choked. 
I choked for five <laughs> minutes straight. Couldn't answer the damn question. Yep. Couldn't answer. I was fawning over the form for the past month, two, three, I don't know. Lots and lots of it. I was watching Deviate like crazy every single day, yeah. binging the hell out of it. And then when she asked me this question, what is physical theater? I choked for five minutes and she gave me this glare. I would never forget that glare. Oh, a glare gosh. that have you ever had that glare that made you feel like the stupidest person on planet yes, Earth? Yes, and so Stop embarrassing and cringe and even if you that, think about it. <laughs> exactly. Cringe worthy glare, right? Like I was just choked and I, I, I could not I had no response to that. And she said something. She she, she I think at the time I was a bit naive, right? Like I was very destabilized with this idea of what knowledge and the value of knowledge stands in our society uh, because we live in an age where everybody knows everything at the tip of their fingers. And if you don't know something, sometimes it becomes quite disconcerting and it makes you have a sense of FOMO everywhere you go. So this is just another branch out of our topic about knowledge itself. And she said something so, so, I don't know, it, it was so tantalizing at the time because she said, uh, knowledge, she said, Jason, remember this, knowledge is power. I know you're a smart guy, but have you ever heard of the phrase smart is power? No, it's knowledge is power. Being a smart person doesn't get you anywhere. Being a knowledgeable person does. And there is a very f- distinct difference between what smart and knowledgeable mean. Mm-hmm. Smart is maybe a sense of IQ, uh, a witness, a... A very, uh, how do you call it? A very, uh, a very effective way of working with things. A very sharp brain. A very bright mind. Knowledge is about knowing things that other people don't, no matter how smart they are. And that is the key. As soon as I learned this, as soon as that embarrassment unfolded. Something completely changed within me. Not sure what happened. It was like getting pregnant. I would never ever experience this, but figuratively I have. That day changed me forever because from that day onwards, I experienced a revolution of knowledge. I became insatiable. I became absolutely addicted to gaining knowledge about literally everything I could get my hands on. I wanted to be in an encyclopedia. Mostly about mm-hmm. the world of performing art and then everything else. And then, of course, it set the path for me to go into interdisciplinary practices, to start my own interdisciplinary collective, to start going to different industries. And right now where I am, you know, like literally having multiple pathways, multiple career paths, multiple, multiple yeah. skill sets, multiple uh, potential income streams. And all of this, the genesis of all of that is basically how I looked at knowledge, right? How I looked at knowledge. And it was a conversation not necessarily about how to dance. It was about what do you know about the world? And that question, this idea of general knowledge, has fed back into my dance practice and been able to really allow me to gain knowledge for everything done and then everything else after that. But of course, the secret about all of this is it's really not just about dance, right? We like to talk about dance a lot and this entire session is about dance, but you'd be surprised with how things outside of dance are so interrelated with it at the same time. 
Yeah. And that was really my turning point. It was the watershed moment of the Jason that I am right now. I was having a conversation with somebody that day and I said, if there was one thing about me that I can proudly say, just like you said, I mean, like, don't be, don't be shy to, to talk about yourself, to sell yourself, right? Like one of the things that I say is ever since that very day, ever since that, um, that shambolic embarrassment of mine, <laughs> <laughs> I set foot on the path that has ensured me that I could sit down with anyone from any corner of the world and not feel out of place. Anyone, at any time, talking about literally any topic at all. And I've had a lot of feedback from people who just go, how do you know about these things? I'm like, I mean, Google for sure. <laughs> but yep. it does. The challenge is how you retain that information. You can learn about things from the tip of your fingertips, but how do you retain that information? And how not just retention. But yes, process. And also, how do you use and utilize that knowledge? I think exactly. a lot of people can regurgitate information. Yeah. But I don't know if that translates to usable knowledge. And yeah. as you said, like interdisciplinary or interconnectedness of all of this, it's mind-boggling for me to see. I mean, maybe it's not my place to say it, but it's really mind-boggling for me to see how some of my friends who are extremely talented dancers or choreographers or, you know, just stellar in, within our field, unable to get their breakthroughs because a failure to recognize or address some key issue within the larger spectrum of the industry or the larger spectrum of skill sets to function within our society. And that takes some knowledge and reflection and understanding from a wider set of views. And I will say this as an example, I'll throw myself under the bus again is, for example, communication. You can have a great dance piece. You can have a great performance coming up. You can have a great festival that you've curated or a class. But if you cannot communicate that idea well, the yeah. dance is not going to happen because you failed at communication. So I think what you've said is such a great example of, you know, how do you utilize knowledge and how do you mix industry standards to kind of help boost one aspect of you or one aspect of the larger industry. But that brings me to another question, um, kind of going back into that moment you choked or unable to answer <laughs> Your question is sometimes I feel like, I don't know if it's for you, but I definitely have the same similar experiences, but I feel like we're so afraid of giving the wrong answer or failing that we entirely joke, you know, instead of just offering yeah, yeah. something that might miss the mark, we just completely fail to participate in answering the question or what is provided because we are afraid to fail. So my question to you, part one is, what's your relationship to failure? And part two is, what do you do when you know something is about to fail? Hey, Jason here with a special message for you to help and continue serving our beloved performing arts community. So here's what you can do. Share this with one person you believe with this episode can benefit and attach a personal note explaining why. This way, 
You are not only helping me grow this show, but also adding value to those you truly care about. Massive appreciation as it means the world to me. And let's get right back to the show. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think now is the time. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, gradually progressed to this moment of <laughs> confronting what is what is before us, and that is our very relationship with failure itself, which I think uh, haunts us or blesses us every single day, or graces us every single day of our lives. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, perfect. So. I'll start like this. Okay, failure, my relationship with failure, for sure, I think you would attest to this, uh, has improved with, along, along this, and this is, once again, a big underlining point, like, cannot do without this element, a sense of maturity. Right? You look back at when you were young, and you can yeah. name a number, a countless number of things, you go like, what kind of stupid shit was that? Like, <laughs> What kind of stupid, arrogant, ignorant shit was that? Like, and you would just lambast yourself over a number of things that you would do without thinking twice. And the maturity and life experiences, you know, life experiences equals failures, for sure has contributed to the reconciliation of my relationship with failure. Me, just like you, Asian, and brought up in a very, very strict family background, have been so apprehensive towards failure of course like committing failure or mistake is seen just as big a failure as the monumental failures right there is such a blurred line between the level and the spectrum of failure in our culture it is very much uh typified and even to some extent just what, what's that word? You, uh, it's a unified sense of failure. That every yeah. failure is a failure. <laughs> there are no big, small, medium-sized failures. You fail, it's you fail. It's just, right? yeah. And that is why I think layering and yeah, like leveling is so important because a lot of things that we failed would never stop us in our tracks forever. It's just a little bump in the road. So I think what has changed in terms of my relationship with failure, is transforming my tendency to take those risks that I take and know that the outcome might be a small failure, turn that into a risk that would possibly (laughs) outcome a huge failure. And how to then reconciliate with a potential huge failure. Mm-hmm. So I think I think my fortitude towards huge failures has changed has changed the most, in the sense that now it takes me a lot faster to recover from a massive failure than it did before. That's for sure. And small failures, in that sense, uh, strangely enough, has become a bit more distracting, a bit more constantly annoying. <laughs> and before it was very much like. I would hone in on the small failures because those are the only failures that uh, I would remember. And then the big failures, I would just try to forget them as soon as possible. But now I'm a lot more attuned to those big failures and I'm a lot more harmonious with them 
rather the small failures are the ones that kind of bug me from time to time and it really uh it, it reminds me of uh, what i'm contradicting most of the time because small failures are things like inconsistency and lack of discipline or uh a miss uh, a misuse of you know courtesy or something like that those are small little failures that i just I would really be very hard on myself on small failures rather than the big one. So this has really changed. So this is the first part. What, what was the second question again? <laughs> the second question, yeah. How do you deal um, with that, right? How do you deal yeah, with that? Yeah, how do you deal like, with that? Or yeah. when you know something is about to fail, say, I don't know, it doesn't have to be dance because I know you're juggling so many things like different projects, communications, partnerships, you know. And if you sense that something is about to fail, What's mm-hmm. your immediate reaction or what do you do to remedy it? Oh, man. Okay. If I'm not, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Wow. This is a good one. I, I'm trying to recall a moment in time when I could see the failure coming. Yeah. Pro- coming, progressing towards me. Uh, and it, it, it feels like most of my failures have hit me in the face just like that. Uh, if you're talking about the slow brewing type of, you know, incoming failures, I think it was, it's mostly to do with uh, failure of communication, maybe failure yeah. of relationship building in some sense that you already know it's not going to work and you can see like the ultimate fail at the end of it. <laughs> it becomes a meme. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're just yeah. sitting in a car crash waiting to happen, and you see, <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. like, ah. it's like, it's like watching Final Destination. You know, they're all gonna die. Yes, anyways, you know? it's just like when and how, <laughs> you know, like. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't tend to to remember a lot of those things because, it, if I can't solve something, then why would I try to remember them, or why would I try to review them? Uh, if it's kind of sort of beyond my control, right? Like, but yeah. if, if a failure comes right at me, and for example, uh, one one very, I don't know, one one very very good example for me at least is when you get an injury, and I know a lot of people, including myself, would tend to call that a failure. Would tend to place blame on yourself because, for example, you are not able to dance, or you failed your teammates and you couldn't perform which has happened recently with me. Like I sprayed my knee and it was potentially very serious. I couldn't, I had to have, have shows canceled. Uh, and then that kind of failure, it's a mess. It's, it's like, I wouldn't call it a failure, but it was basically some form of it, some form of unfortunate event that mm-hmm. can be perceived as a failure on my part to maybe, let's say if I had controlled myself better, in that particular movement, maybe I wouldn't have gotten injured, blah, blah, blah. Just a myriad of pos- potential blame games, right? Like, and yeah. I don't know. Like, that, that one for me, I, I can literally, like, harmonize with much better compared to <laughs> the small failures or the ones that are, like, slow, burning. Like, those things yeah. I just go, like, I have no solution to this <laughs> whatsoever. Or, like, it bugs me like crap and I, I, just, I just hit myself more with it or... Um, yeah, like I, 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 it takes me more time to reconciliate with those smaller ones, you know, because those are the ones that should not be happening every year. I don't know. 
Yeah. So, yes. okay. What about you, though? This is really Wait, before that, I'm going to segue onto something that I am really passionate about and love highlighting right now is a failure of the industry. And I want to mention this from the story that you just shared in that, yes, as individuals, it's so easy to navigate, especially injuries and safety. Mm-hmm. It's so we're so quick to internalize it in terms of, am I resting enough? Did I do something? Uh, was my technique off that I sprained or twisted something? But as an yeah, industry, yeah. I want to question this. Is like, were you or like, do we get enough rest? Do we get enough space between projects or do we constantly need to hustle to like make ends meet? And what kind of safety measures are there to like safeguard and ensure us as dancers or as bodies and brains on hire. And I started thinking about this because, you know, when in the film industry, when someone rents a really expensive high tech equipment, like a specific camera to shoot a this or that kind of shot or a drone, One, you pay to rent that equipment. Two, you pay for insurance that if during your use it breaks, you you cover for it. And I'm just like, but these are replaceable things and objects that were built. My knee is not replaceable. My back is not replaceable. Like, how is the industry taking care of the people that make dance and the industry flourish? So... Just segue. I just want to throw that out there in terms yeah, of, yeah. you know, uh, something that we must think about as people within the industry. And I think it's really something that we should negotiate better every time we sign a contract or think up a project to really safeguard ourselves and our sanity and our physical health. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe throwing where... Maybe we can all discuss this later on a side topic or something like how has the industry failed or how have yeah. we as industry workers failed to address or raise issues for ourselves. So, yeah, nice little story, Jason. Sorry. And <laughs> I just yeah, feel like I have yeah. to talk about um, these things nowadays because I'm always looking out for my dancers, like students that I've trained or for myself or if I'm hired to direct something i want the people that i'll be hiring through this contract to be compensated well and make sure they're rested and not driven to the point of failure or breakdown and yeah so great point man like uh yeah that is something that's looming over us in one way or another no matter what we do, right? Like this failure of industry. And I really like how you've also inevitably, inevitably kind of point the, the fingers back at us and what we can do to better the situation because I, I, I still prefer to say that we all have a part to play, right? And mm-hmm. not necessarily just say that the gatekeepers and the stakeholders are fully in charge of how this industry operates, you know, because without the entirety of the machine moving in the right direction like nobody has any power per se yeah you know for sure and again this is something we've talked about it's really understanding and knowing our value 
and just trusting that this is not going to go forward if we don't agree to get on board. You know, if you are a little bit pricey, maybe. <laughs> I think yeah, we can't yeah. start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can't start making these changes slowly, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. The industry as a whole has many holes, and uh, it's it's really interesting to kind of kind kind of highlight this right now because the the question then is, uh, has the industry failed us or are we failing the industry like i don't know um and and that that's up to to each and every one of us to kind of yeah to 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 to, to ask us this question to reflect upon whether you or what basically how much of a part you have to play and how much mm-hmm. do you want to play yeah like, i think i will take that responsibility personally in whatever small scale that i'm in within my context in that I feel like if I don't start raising these questions and pushing back, I feel like maybe I can't fail the industry because the industry has too many actors and more people in a higher place of power than me as an individual or me in collaboration or as a collective. But I think if I don't push back or raise these conversations, I will fail my peers my students and the future generation of dancers if the conversation is not had now. So I think that's something I take responsibility for personally. There you have it, the 10th and final episode of our Clubhouse Roundtable Discussions. Why Dance by Jcast, only on the Clubhouse app. So what does that mean? Go over and check out the full episodes over there if you manage to find our Why Dance by Jcast club room. Of course you will. And for the final time in the series, don't forget to leave your ratings and reviews for the Background Dancer podcast. That's going to mean a whole lot to me, but also to my fellow wonderful co-hosts Jacob and Joshua. Last but not least, Season 2 is due to launch next month. So stay tuned for all the updates over here on the Background Dancer podcast. Check out backgrounddancer.com. That's our website for all the updates, for all the news coming your way. Or just follow us on all the social handles that we are on. Yes, can't wait for that. That's going to be great. Hope you're going to enjoy all of it too. Season 2 is going to be a blast. Can't wait to do this all with you, as always. That's it for now. Wonderful speaking to you again, and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe, comment, and leave a review on your designated podcast and social media platforms. If you found this interesting or helpful, feel free to share with members of your community so that they too may connect with us in our quest to foreground dance in the background i am jason yup of the background dancer and as always catch you next time if you're listening to this you are most definitely a dance enthusiast maybe even one for dance science 
Well, why not join the International Association for Dance Medicine and Science, or IEDMS for short, and become part of a global community dedicated to supporting dancers and performers worldwide. With active members from over 50 countries, including experts in dance, medicine, and science, IADAMS provides a diverse network of support and resources. As a member, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits such as discounts to year-round events, their vast collection of e-learning opportunities, and a subscription to the Journal of Dance, Medicine and Science, amongst other incredible and unique offers. Join the mission for better outcomes and apply for an iAdams membership today. Click the link in the descriptions below for more info.